Welcome to a special edition of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. Well, special as in it's not something we've ever done before. It's still episode 116 though. But what makes it so special, or special special even? Well, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum for this impromptu episode. Hi Tom, it's uh, a nice Friday night. Uh, we kind of decided a bit last minute to record an episode, and uh, here we are with uh, with probably one of the the more full uh, documents that we've had in, in a long time. I mean, yeah, especially since like the British Bird Gang Awards that had plenty of content in it, and this is probably just about as long as that. Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of news. I guess it's all kind of news, really, but uh, particularly we're here to discuss the schedule release. But, you know, there's a few more bits and pieces here and there as well. Yeah, I mean, everyone's excited to see a schedule release, even though we knew who we were playing. Now we know the order in which we're playing them. It's nice to see, you know, especially if you're looking at things like, okay, let's have a have a see uh, whether we're getting many Sunday night games. There was still, I believe, some ambiguity as to whether or not we would have got a London game. Uh, sure, we can talk about that as well, but... Um, uh, obviously, none of those things particularly, but you know, it's it's good to see, it's good to know, and I imagine that the uh, schedule will change around a bunch, but we can still, you know, talk about each of the teams that we're coming up against. Yeah, but before we get onto that, we've got a couple of bits of news to talk about. Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, first, uh, first bit there is uh, some Jordan Hicks trade rumors. Yeah, well, we spoke in the last episode that with the selection of Zayvon Collins in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft and question marks over the future of Jordan Hicks, it came out on Wednesday that the team is allowing the veteran linebacker to explore a trade away from the Cardinals. I mean, you can't really be that surprised, can you? If you're bringing in a a first-round pick who you really want to start, you know, I I think... uh, Potentially, you could be doing that with the idea of like, oh, we'll keep around this veteran who who helped teach the rookie. But if you're Jordan Hicks, I imagine that you're you know definitely seeing the writing on the wall there. So maybe you're uh, you know ready to explore other options if you can. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really that surprising when we heard Steve Kime announcing Collins to be the starting Mike linebacker. You know, that's obviously weird considering the fact his name is Saban. <laughs> Oh, that's a terrible joke. It is, you know, but, you know, shit jokes are what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, well, shit jokes aside, clearly they're, you know, expecting um, this rookie to come in and be able to start, you know, pretty much straight away. So, you know, I guess, yeah, that it really makes sense to let Jordan Hex at least go and explore, you know, a trade option. Yeah, I mean, there was actually footage from today's rookie mini camp, which started and already Stephen Collins is there barking out orders to the rest of the defensive rookies. I mean, I think this is how you get an alpha tag, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Just such a natural born leader that you can come in, you know, day one and you can be, um, you know, leading a unit and, and you know, pr- proving that natural leadership. That's really, uh, you know, the way it all goes. Yeah, he's been talking to Vance Joseph as well a lot during this period. So obviously it's yeah. still ongoing while we're actually recording because of time differences and all that. Yeah, I mean, what what time will it be in the States just now? Like, sort of mid-afternoon? I was saying it'll just be coming up to lunchtime. Yeah, so they'll be uh, having a wee break just now then. But um, yeah, indeed, it's it's, a, it's really nice to see, though. You know, it's um, it's clearly a positive sign for the team if you've got somebody coming in with such a big personality like that. And, you know, provided it doesn't get hurt, it certainly looks like we're going to see him, you know, in, in the week one matchup. Yeah, him and Isaiah Simmons manning the middle of the defense. You know, those two tall, fast trees. 
Yeah, I was going to say the, the the Tree Brothers. Um, yeah, getting those trees in the middle of the field. I think it's just really nice to see, actually. I mean, I know that this is supposed to be a news item about Jordan Hex, but it's it's really nice to see, you know, a first-round pick who looks like they're going to make immediate impact because uh, other than Kyler, you know, I'd say that's something we haven't had in a few years. Yeah, but I mean, with Simmons last year, he never had this rookie minicamp, did he? He was stuck on Zoom for all the rest of it. That is really true, yeah. And never even got any... Um, uh, preseason games either and i think that'll be a huge difference maker for the for the young guys yeah exactly but obviously this obviously was a news item about jordan hicks and the question will be where will he go could he end up going back to philadelphia yeah if, if philadelphia could definitely be an ending zone uh ending his own firm you know i think there's there's a lot of places that could definitely do with uh with jordan hicks because he has a talented ball player and Definitely, I think in the right scheme, he could be making big contributions to, you know, to a lot of different teams. And the question is, is like, what will we get back in return? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, if we went to Philadelphia, then maybe we could get something to work with tight end Zach Ertz. Yeah, that would be a pretty damn good uh, trade right there for us. Yeah, but obviously knowing us, you know, we'll probably get in return something like a couple of day three selections, maybe if we're lucky. I mean, who knows where it'll go, but like I've definitely seen good trades happen. You know, I remember we got Chandler Jones in a trade like this before. Yeah, but obviously I don't think we'll be getting someone of his quality in return for Jordan no, Hicks. Will. No, I don't think so. But, um, you know, it, it's not to say that we won't get somebody who is going to come in and make plays. And bear in mind that, you know, although we'll talk about some, some free agents uh, after this, but, you know, the Cardinals definitely still has some, you know, some holes in, in uh, different positions. I mean, there is always the option that you might end up actually staying in Arizona because he did actually take a pay cut not too long ago. So this season yeah. he'd only be earning $3 million. So realistically, they could keep him as like a veteran backup. Or, of course, they could always designate him as a post-June 1st cut, should like nothing materialise in the trade market. I mean, I imagine it would be pretty uh, pretty tough to cut him, but you know, I could definitely see them um, keeping him around. Because, I mean, $3 million is not too much towards the, tra- the, the, um, the cap. No, exactly. And it's not like we're tight against the cap, because I think at the last time I saw... We're probably on about thirteen million, and that's obviously without any of the rookies signing just yet. Which is definitely, you know, a, a, a possible place to be, and um, definitely something that we could, you know, we could explore as an option, as you said, kind of keep him as a rookie backup. And I mean, who knows? Like, if 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 Zayvon Collins, I mean, God forbid, if Zayvon Collins gets hurt in the next few days, then obviously that that completely changes uh, Jordan Hicks' role. But let's not jinx anything like that because you know no. injuries. We don't want them. <laughs> Something I did just hint there, and we can move on to our uh, our ne- next news item, and that's that the Cardinals did, in fact, sign uh, four undrafted free agents. Yeah, I mean, like, usually every team in the league probably signs, like, at least eight to ten of these undrafted free agents to go on their off-season 90-man roster. Well, that's the thing. It's usually so cheap to do, and it's usually worth giving these guys a, a workout, you know, and just seeing like is there any kind of missed talent there and and on top of that it just fills out the bodies for you know doing drills and stuff like that in camp yeah i mean the cardinals did go on a bit of a signing spree before the draft though with like some not like really known talents but guys who've been like actually in the league and like they've been cut like it before the draft obviously from their previous teams 
So they've obviously got some sort of NFL experience, whereas the undrafted free agency could be picking up wouldn't have. So obviously they've gone for a mixture this year as opposed to like all undrafted. They've got like guys who've not really had a chance to make an impression anywhere else. I mean, I think that would make a lot of sense, you know, and it could be something that like, I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury or or somebody in the organization has you know, decided that it's something that's worthwhile doing is bringing in these guys because, as you said, they've got that little bit of NFL experience. And even if that's just the experience of being through the camps and stuff, you know, they, they need, at that point, I guess, for want of a better word, babysat less. You know, they, they can come in and they can do the drills and they can uh, they know kind of everything that's going on, whereas some of the other, uh, uh, you know, the young guys coming straight in from college might not be able to keep up with the pace. Yeah, you can see that as a possibility. And obviously with these four undrafted free agents, they'll have to work hard to actually make the team or even make the practice squad. But, you know, they've got the opportunity. So, so let's see how they get on in the offseason. Yeah, it's nice to see people get the opportunity. And, you know, let's not forget that, you know, one of the, the Cardinals all-time greats, Kurt Warner, was an undrafted free agent. So, you know, there, there's talent hiding out there. The first name you've got down here on the list is cornerback Lorenzo Burns, formerly of the University of Arizona. Yeah, I think he was like the most expensive one they signed because he was apparently got a $25,000 signing bonus. Blimey. It's like the biggest chunk of the available money they have. Uh, local boy too. Yep, he was the Wildcats defensive MVP in 2019 and was named Honorable Mention All-Pac-12 in 2020. He tied for the Pac-12 lead with five interceptions in 2017 and amassed nine in his career to date. Hey, that's that's pretty exciting stuff. And, you know, I can see why they're bringing in, you know, other cornerbacks as well, because really it's kind of, it's anybody's team in terms of cornerbacks at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely got positions there, even if they're just like backups or like rotation yep. guys, you know. Yeah, definitely. Or, or, you know, just guys in specific packages. But one of the other things as well is that... um you know, with with the type of athleticism that cornerbacks have, um, they can often be uh, a good fit for special teams as well. Definitely can see him maybe contributing on there, at least in the preseason. Yeah. We've got two tight ends coming in. North Carolina State's Carey Angeline and Cincinnati's Bruno LaBelle. Of course, we know the situation with our tight end room at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, these are... Are, are two big boys um exactly what you want in a tight end you know from from the kind of stats and stuff that i've seen from them you know neither of them from well nc state's a big school i guess but neither of them making i guess huge contributions in college but you know 27 catches for 412 yards uh for carrie angeline is pretty pretty decent yeah and that was just last year as well which earned him honorable mention in the all acc accolades and you know the thing as well is when you when you look at um, tight ends, similarly to to linemen, you know it's hard to get good stats for them because a good tight end is is not only out catching passes and stuff, but also is part of a lot of the blocking schemes. So you know it's it's hard to be able to compare their numbers exactly. I think that could be said about Labelle as well because he only had the twenty catches in his four year career at Cincinnati. But he put up some impressive testing numbers at his pro day, hence why the Cardinals took a shot on him, I assume. Yeah, I suppose if you're able to, you know, just show that raw athleticism again, and, you know, as you said, if you only get 20 catches, it's not going to turn any heads. But if you're able to put up those, um, 
you know those good numbers at pro day that's that's what gets people a shot and i did see as well with labelle as well as him being picked up by us as an undrafted free agent he was picked up in the cfl draft a couple of weeks ago by the saskatchewan rough riders as a tight end slash fullback huh so how did we end up with him then I think it's just like with the CFL, they like draft the rights to them. So like, right, obviously, okay. if it doesn't work out in the NFL, like in the off season with us, he's got yeah. a fullback option, hasn't he, to go play in the CFL? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's a, a fullback as well as an interesting choice, which uh, you know makes me think that he can he can run and hit gaps as well. Yeah, he's definitely obviously got the athleticism from his pro day numbers. So yeah. See what he's got in the off season, and maybe he sticks around as a blocking tight end. And the uh, the last quarter of the uh, undrafted free agents that we signed was uh, Oklahoma State defensive lineman Kerry Murray. Yeah, because obviously there's no such thing as too many Murrays on this Cardinals <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah, just to make things more confusing. Luckily, on the wrong side of the ball to get him confused with Kyler. But um, yeah, twenty two tackles, three sacks, and six tackles for loss for Oklahoma State last season. One of those positions, really, where anyone can make contributions, can't you, on the defensive line? Oh, big time, yeah. You know, I think at a certain point, it's like a case of getting some big bodies and, and kind of see how they all fit together best. Yeah, so obviously we'll see how these four do in the off-season. Like, how we yeah, stick I around mean, during training camp, practice squad, preseason, all that sort of... Yeah, best of luck to them all. I think it'd be interesting to see if any of them do make it. You know, I think um, I, I always like a, a sort of an underdog story and like seeing one of these guys come through and, you know, even make it to the practice squad or something like that would be uh, really, really fun to see. Who knows? It could even be the featured guy on Hard Knocks should the Cardinals get chosen for it. Yeah, very possible. Very possible. But of course, we still don't know who's going to be on Hard Knocks for 2021. But I'm sure we'll soon find out. I was going to say, do you know when we find out? I think it's usually later in the summer when they release that sort of information. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see. At least we've got flight plan in the meantime. Yeah, well, flight plan's brilliant. But, you know, if uh, you know if the Hard Knocks crew wanted some drama, it's a shame that they've already lost out on the numbers drama. Yes, I know the huge difference-making number drama. <laughs> this is a this is a huge part of the document and who knows how long we'll actually talk about it but for those of you that don't know and i'm sure sure everyone that's listening does the nfl's changed their ruling on how players can be allocated different numbers so in previous years there were certain number groups that were reserved for certain different uh, player groups and you know so so wide receivers had a certain range and uh, linemen had a certain range and all of this sort of stuff and it's all quite archaic and from back in the day when it was much harder to read these things so referees and opposing teams needed the uh, number ranges to be able to tell who was going to do what on a play but um, clearly they've decided that that is no longer something that's necessary and they've said okay it's a free-for-all yeah, basically, it's following like the college rules. It's like there's plenty of single number players in college football, and now they want to carry that on into the NFL. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's um, I mean, to me, it's never really made any difference. But I think you know, to a lot of the players, they they kind of really enjoyed being able to uh, switch in the recent uh, few days to keep their old college number or you know go for some other kind of vanity number. And and there's been a lot of shuffling around for the Cardinals. Yeah, there's been four veterans who've made different number changes. 
Buda Baker himself making his third change. <laughs> and of course, that will be a welcome news for you as well, because he's changed to be number three. And then, thankfully, my Josh Rosen jersey, which is rotting away in the bottom of a drawer next to me, is going to have some use now going forward. I mean, we were just talking before recording about whether or not you could get the, uh, you know, get the number changed, but or, or get the nameplate changed even rather. But um, yeah, Buddha taking number three, which I think he took in. He was in college, right? I'm not sure where his three came from, to be honest, because looking back at his college numbers, I don't think he was number three. Really, I I, I just assumed it was his college number because that's what so many of the other veterans that are changing uh, does. No, I couldn't find a picture at all from like what Buda Baker's number three came from. Like, huh. he was on the big red red rage the other day. I wonder if you mentioned it on there because I've not actually listened to it yet. I mean, there will be a reason behind it. I mean, to, to be fair, if the reason is I like the number three and it looks cool, then I'm on board with that too. I mean, frankly, if you're Buda Baker and you're you know a guy who's made such a a big impact on the team in the last two years, then you you have whatever number you fancy, man. Exactly. Another one that looks a bit weird, or at least will look weird, is Chase Edmonds moving to number two. One that I, I get this one, I wasn't really sure why he did it. It'll definitely be strange, but it'll be funny seeing uh, number one and two line up together. Yeah, I definitely get number three though, because Buda Baker won't come in and play any offense. I'm sure he'd love to. Yeah, that would be wild if he did. Can you imagine like just seeing one, two, three in the backfield and you're just going, what is going on? But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, Chase Edmonds with number two. Definitely going to be a slightly odd one, but um, you know, fair, fair play. Byron Murphy's moved to number seven, but we actually know the source of this number seven. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that was his old number when he was at Saguaro State High School before he moved on to number one in college with Washington. And obviously you can't have number one in Arizona because some guy called Kyle Amori has it. <laughs> it's cool that it's got the history going that far back, though. I quite like that. Yeah, and also people with like old Matt Lynott jerseys can be like, get a Byron Murphy nameplate. It'd be like, yep, I've got a Byron Murphy jersey here. Out of, uh, out of interest, because you, you played football at one point, what was your uh, what was your number when you played? Uh, well, I changed mine. Because like, one year I had to have number 68. And then the year after that, someone stole that number, so I had to have number 74. And then I've got my own jersey, which I've never actually been able to wear because they came after the season had finished, which is number 77. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool, though. So, so you had like a little range of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not personally attached to any number in particular, but you know, if number 17 yeah. is available, I'll take that. Uh, see, I wanted number 23, but I got number 32 instead. So I mean, it looked like it in the mirror, maybe. Sort of. I I wore 30, 38 for a while as well, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's enough uh, Baffa. I'm sure every Baffa player has uh, like switched around jerseys a few times as well. British American football, you're lucky enough to get a whole team with the same kit on at the same time. Never mind. Numbers. Oh yeah, we used to have we used to have a classic with that occasionally, where somebody would either turn up with the the home jersey for an away game or vice versa. Imagine having different jerseys for home and away. Couldn't be my team. <laughs> no, we do. We're uh, like um, blue and white for home and white and blue for away. None of us had Richard Lawrence's number 90, though, so that's something as well. Uh, another jersey recycling for uh, Darnell Dockett. Although I don't know if people still like hold Dockett in high regard, that he'd like, actually still like wearing his jersey, though. So 
Yeah, I know. But I can imagine some people, you know, if there, if there was any uh, people who had that jersey in the first place, I can imagine them, like, keeping it but with no name on it or something, you know, just taking the whole nameplate off. Of course, we've had some newcomers to the team this off-season, and they've had to have new numbers, or they've been able to carry them over. Yeah, I mean, for example, Matt Prater coming in, taking number five. Yeah, we just have to hope he has better luck than the previous guy who wore number five. <laughs> oh man, I, t- I saw some rough games with that number five there. James Connor's taken up number six, which again, it's going to be weird seeing a number six in the backfield, but we'll get used to it, I'm sure. I think it'll be weird for about two or three games, and then I'll just be completely used to it. I mean, as long as he's scoring touchdowns, he can wear whatever number he wants. <laughs> yeah, frankly. Colt McCoy with uh, number 12. Yeah, I think that's his number he's stuck with out throughout his time in the league, so that's nice for him he can keep that. I'm surprised that um that twelve is available in as many places as it is, but you know, anyway. Um another guy who's able to stick with his numbers, AJ Green, who is going to be wearing number eighteen. I mean that's obviously the number he's most known for wearing in his time at Cincinnati, so it's pretty much part of his brand at this point, really, isn't it? Malcolm Butler's picking up number twenty one. So obviously Patrick Peterson's not getting his ridiculous wish of his getting his jersey number retired. <laughs> yeah, I was that. That was a bit of a stretch, I gotta say. But um, yeah, I think twenty-one was Malcolm Butler's number in New England as well. So you know, I don't think it's like he's he's coming in and deliberately taking uh, Patrick Peterson's number. You know, it's it's something he's worn before. And last but not least, number sixty-one is Rodney Hudson. And hopefully, we don't hear false start sixty-one. Or holding sixty one, f ever all or at all. <laughs> yeah, at least uh, less than we have heard it in the past would be nice. And of course, JJ Watt has number ninety nine, but everyone knows that already. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. sure it's probably like a Jersey bestseller. I wouldn't be surprised if teams kept the number ninety nine open, you know, just in case he was coming to them. And of course, the new draft class rookies have got their own numbers as well. Zavin Collins, our first round draft pick, taking up number twenty five. Yep, he was uh, looking for 23, I believe, but uh, Robert Alford's already in 23. And another guy that wanted a, a specific number, Rondale Moore, took 85 because Andy Lee is covering number four. I mean, we assume he might want number four because that's the number he's got in his Twitter handle and also what he wore in college. So <laughs> I mean, I imagine he will take number four when it's ready, but you, know, you can't take a number off of the um, British Bird Gang player of 2016, 2017. Whenever it was. <laughs> exactly, you know, you've got to show him some sort of respect. Exactly. But I suppose if you do want a Zayvon Collins and or a Rondale Moore jersey, I'd hold that until next year, because he might change the number by then. These these two are particularly, uh, you know, solid bets for having their, their jersey number changed by next year. One that uh, I don't think will be having their jersey number changed next year is Marco Wilson, who's taking number 20 because Buda Baker has number three. I suppose he got that because he's a veteran on the team, didn't he? Not just a rookie from college. Yeah, exactly. Also, you know, it's Buda Baker. I think he gets like first pick pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Victor Dimukeji's got number ninety-two. Got nothing like clever or smart to say about <laughs> yeah, that number. There's there's no witty comment with that one. But uh, Tay Gowan got number thirty-two. Yeah, formerly worn by guys like Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker himself. Of course, he's worn probably every number on the team. <laughs> he's he's just going to collect them all. But yeah, yeah, Tay Gowan number thirty-two. Big shoes to fill. Okay, can he actually live up to like the guys who've worn the number before him? 
the the last two i mean those are two pretty big names for the cardinals you know tyron matthew um before he was a snake uh obviously an excellent cardinal shame he was injured so often but you know clearly uh like you know, one of our our top players and buddha baker uh currently one of our top players no pressure on the rookie though obviously <laughs> no pressure no our penultimate number is james wiggins who is taking up number 38 and I'm sure he must be disappointed because his Twitter handle is James Wiggins 32. So obviously he can't take number 32 because the guy drafted in the round before him took it. Yeah, I I actually don't know how this works, but I assume they must go in draft order to pick the numbers, right? Would be the only fair way to do it. I'd assume so, yeah. Like obviously like if they've got a more they're more likely to stick around on the team, maybe. Or maybe they actually like fight it out in the gym or something. <laughs> that would be good you know like make them make them work for it or maybe it's just a number you know they just pick whatever is available yeah i'm sure i'm sure last up being michael mennett taking number 72 which is an o-line number can't really get excited about that though can you no it's hard hard to get excited about but then again you know that's i'm excited about it because that's our last number and we can get on to the actual uh you know the the main part of the episode yeah half an hour later almost yeah you know, it's it's a it's a relatively exciting time. It's because the uh, as I alluded to earlier, the the twenty twenty one NFL schedule has been released, um, and it includes three primetime games for us, including a Christmas Day, Christmas Day, a Christmas Day tie at home. Well, there'll actually be Boxing Day for us by the time it kicks off, so not quite Christmas Day for us. Honestly, it's like it's perfect. I mean, I am. I'm already looking forward to it and it's May. You know, I'm I'm imagining being at home, got, you know, just like stuffed with Christmas dinner and uh, having a like half a snooze and watching the Cardinals would be great. Definitely one we're looking forward to, but obviously we've got like how many games before that one? We've got like 15 or something. 14, I think it'll be because of the bye week, week 12. Oh, yeah. And yeah, of course, this will be our, our first um, 17 game season, right? The biggest NFL season ever, they say, which is obviously true. And it's all kicking off for us week one away from home at Tennessee Titans. That's for six, that's 6 p.m. in the UK, which is, you know, a, a good start for us being able to watch it, but a bad start because uh, this is the time zone the Cardinals struggle in. It's also the time zone where we'd rather watch NFL Red Zone before the season starts, but you know. That is a very good point. But yeah, we last played the Tennessee Titans in 2017, where the Cardinals won 12-7, and the Cardinals lead the all-time series 7-4, which is, you know, like to see that carry on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wonder if that series includes the Houston Oilers as well, because that's not exactly many games, or if it is specifically for the uh, Tennessee Titans. But last time won 12-7, which is a game I don't think I remember off the top of my head. Uh, what I will say is that obviously they have um, uh, Derek Henry and AJ Brown there, which is uh, you know something that make the game interesting. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, especially like coming into that as the week one game, you know, like expectations might be high for the Cardinals after a strong preseason. So you know, the first chance to have seeing guys in action properly. I think this is potentially a really good first game for the rookies as well. You know, it's like it's being chucked in at the deep end. You know, the Titans are they're not the one of, they're not the, the most elite team in the NFL, but they are a good team. And it'll be an away game and presumably as well this'll be, you know, getting on to a point when we're starting to see kind of closer to full size crowds again. 
I mean, yeah, c- coming like into September, won't it? So like, you'd hopefully by then America's got all this COVID shit sorted out by then. You know, we've got like at least a good few thousand in each and every stadium. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if you take the draft as anything to go by when they had fans into the draft, you know, I would hope that they would get some some fans in, especially, you know, especially the open-air stadiums. Which is pretty much all of them, I think. Yeah, which I believe the Titans is an open-air stadium. Yep, so obviously guys like Derek Henry, AJ Brown, they're going to be guys tough for the defense to, like, cover. And, of course, one of the defenders who'll be playing in this game will be Malcolm Butler going back. To where he was last season. I, they call them revenge matches, but I don't think it is so much of a revenge match in this regard. No, not really. Because he, I think he was only there for a year. It was like a you know a transition period, let's say, before he became a cardinal. But um, yeah, I think uh, with Derek Brown and AJ Brown, I mean Derek Henry rather. Um, obviously, he's uh, going to be hitting some holes and stuff like that. But maybe our kind of new vamped up defensive lines going to be able to put a bit more of a stop to that. I mean, it wouldn't be good for your fantasy football team, would it? Having him on like no, 20 it, carries for like 40 yards, something like that. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. But I'll take the hit in week one if it means that, you know, he can go and he can go and terrorise other teams later. If we can hold him back, that would be quite nice for me. But then we go on to week two where we have the second of your running backs because the Cardinals will be hosting the Minnesota Vikings at 9.05pm. Yeah, uh, so first home game, obviously. Um, last played uh, the Vikings in 2018 when we lost 27-17. to um, And that is a game, I remember. That was a tough one. And the Vikings lead the series overall 11-7. to So obviously we need to get back at them for that. Yeah, it would be nice to close that gap up a little bit. You know, it's, uh, making it 11-8 and is uh, a significant little swing there. The big danger men they've got on their roster are guys like Justin Jefferson, who had that really impressive rookie season last year, and also Dalvin Cook at running back. Um, yeah, it's quite a you know it's again like another another um, good team, another uh, test, and and you know hopefully when it comes to uh, an interesting game, this this will be one, and they're definitely going to be one big talking point, which is obviously that uh, Patrick Peterson is off to the Vikings now, and he will be uh, he will be spending one. Arizona game uh, away from Arizona. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be fun seeing how he can cope with DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore, hopefully. I mean, you would suspect he'll be uh, he'll be out, you know, um, marking Hopkins, because I can't even think who else they've got at running back, uh, at cornerback, rather. I think they've got a couple of decent cornerbacks, but, like, obviously not elite sort of guys, so, yeah, you know, Game could be won there, could be lost. I imagine there'll be at least one, you know, big moment when we sort of see like, is Patrick Peterson the man still or not? But yeah, it should be it should be a fun game again. Nine oh five p.m. kickoff for that one. But in week three, uh, we are back out to the east coast for a six p.m. kickoff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, we last played them in twenty seventeen, where the Cardinals won twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, obviously that's closer than you want against the guys like Jacksonville, isn't it? Jacksonville's a game that you could you should really be considering winning. Um that being said, you know, they do have well, let's say let's say Danger Man, you know, they, they drafted Trevor Lawrence, which will be I think an interesting thing to see. And they've got Travis Etienne on that team as well, which you know is again, there's no there's no game in the NFL, I think, that you can just write off as a as a clear win. But um, you know, Cardinals leading that series three to two. 
ideally wouldn't want to let that fall down to a 500 record. Yeah, it's one of those games as well, like, you look at it, like, obviously, if you want to be making the playoffs, you've got to be beating teams who had the number one overall pick last year, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's just it. It's, as I said, you can't take anything for granted, but, you know, you're correct there. You really can't be uh, giving up uh, easy wins like that, let's say. It will be interesting as well because this will be the third game of Trevor Lawrence's NFL career. And they seem to be making a big deal out of the fact that like, he went through the whole of high school without losing a game. He went through the whole of college without losing a game. How will he cope in the NFL, say, like Jacksonville lose the first two? What will he be like in week three? I mean, I do remember people having this narrative a little bit about Kyler Murray when we were uh, when we were drafting him, right? Because he had an, an insane record in in high school and college. Yeah, and how would he cope with like the losses or anything in the NFL, that sort of thing? Yeah, and you know he's he's done fine with it. I mean, they're, obviously they're different guys, right? And maybe the character of Trevor Lawrence doesn't allow him to do that. But you know, I th- I suspect that like he will be mentally prepared to lose because he got drafted by the Jaguars. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows in Jacksonville, is it? Exactly. Although the weather will be nice. Yeah, I mean, it would be a nice game to go over for, to be honest. Like, especially like week one, week three, you know, go to Nashville, then go to Jacksonville. What a, what a road trip that would be. I know that would be ideal, but you know. <laughs> let's uh, let's plan this road trip after we finish recording here, um, because uh, we've got to get on through this schedule with uh, week four being the first of our division games. Moving over completely to the other coast, we will be at the LA Rams 9.05 p.m. kickoff here in the UK. And following that up in week five, we've got the San Francisco 49ers at 9.25. So back-to-back divisional games quite early in the season. Less obviously to say about the Rams and the 49ers because they are teams that we have, you know, um, sort of played very, very frequently. But, you know, I think that these are in a way two bellwether games, right? So I think, you know, of our first three games, they are teams that we don't play very often. It's hard to judge your uh, change in performance when it's been, you know, three or four years since the last time you played them. But obviously the last time we played the Rams was in December last year and and this going into week four. It will be interesting to measure our current performance against theirs. And I think the same with the 49ers who we split the series with last year. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to actually beat the LA Rams at some point this season, hopefully this year. Yeah, it would be nice to beat uh, Sean McVeigh's, you know, uh, record against us. I mean, I'll just take one win over them, either this one or later in the season. I don't care. Just make it happen. Yeah, I, I would love to split the series with the Rams for the first time in, what, like four years or something like that. That would be really, uh, really good. And I think it would be a big boost to the team as well, you know, because players are well aware of these record-like things when they're going in, you know? Yeah, as well, like, obviously... We've got a pretty tough schedule this year. I think we're like the twenty-first, like most difficult schedule out of the thirty-two. So obviously, there's only like eleven teams with a more difficult schedule than us, based on last year's records. I mean, that's yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. That I think obviously being in the NFC West skews that quite hard. Yeah, exactly. Because like obviously we're going to have a tough schedule outside the division, but inside the division, like. I think that's probably 
like anything outside of it is basically a cakewalk, isn't it, compared to it? <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, there's just like, especially the Rams and, and the Seahawks, you know, just two two of the NFL's most elite teams and, and we're stuck in the division with them. And the Niners, uh, less elite, but definitely they can sting. You know, we saw it last year when they, when they beat us at State Farm. You know, definitely a, a team that you can't be sleeping on. Another team we can't really be sleeping on is week six when we head to the Cleveland Browns at 9.05 p.m. to take them on. Last played in uh, 2019 when we won 38-24, but definitely not a team to sleep on. Cleveland uh, lead the series, uh, well, the series is 15-33-3 to Arizona. So, you know, Cardinals obviously uh, losing about twice as often as they are winning against the Browns. I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it? Because we've seen, obviously, how much the Cleveland Browns have struggled over the last few years. I mean, they had they had a good ten years of misery, but um, I mean, really, now you, you can't you can't call them the joke team anymore, can you? No, exactly. No, like especially looking at the danger men, you know, like this stacked on offense. That defense just looks ridiculous. Twenty nineteen, we were kind of seeing the start of that because I believe Baker Mayfield was with them then, right? Yeah, that was still a Baker versus Kyler matchup. And of course, yeah. that'll be the big storyline heading into this one. Yeah, which will be an exciting, exciting headline. You know, purely like an uh, from a story perspective, obviously, two you know big college guys that were you know friends, but also um, competing against each other. And both of them drafted number one overall. Plenty of storylines going into that one. Big, big storylines there for sure. And and you know, I think. Uh, definitely uh what will be an exciting game i mean if that's going to have plenty of storylines what about week seven when the houston texans whoa, come to town whoa. oh this is high drama right here yeah houston texans 9 25 p.m uk time um last played them in 2017 when houston beat us 31 21 however uh since then obviously the cardinals have acquired several Houston players and Houston's had a little bit of a meltdown really. Yeah, so we're basically the Arizona Texans these days, so it's not Houston <laughs> really. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, uh, it's uh <laughs> I think it'll be an interesting game, especially, you know, obviously uh JJ Watt and, and DeAndre Hopkins. Again, another one that you can't really call a revenge game, can you? I mean you probably could for DeAndre Hopkins, considering what they gave up to get rid of him. That's true. What they they traded for him, you know, like like a packet of peanuts, pretty much, wasn't it? I think David Johnson's still around, so you know, obviously, it could be a bit of a revenge game for him as well, unless he's broken by them. Absolutely, big storylines in that game. Yeah, but the obviously the biggest danger man is a guy like Deshaun Watson, <laughs> allegedly. Oh, oh. So his lawyers won't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, let's see how all that shakes out because he might not be a, a that all shakes out in in certain ways. But a big game, obviously, week seven and and week eight uh, coming kind of halfway into into the uh, season. You know, another uh, team which might be having very uh, different a different quarterback situation. We have the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. So the first really late one for us UK people at 10 past one in the morning on a Friday morning. Live exclusively on Amazon Prime, unless you're in the UK, obviously, because we can't show it, which is yep. stupid because of the sky rights and all that shit. I can't wait till the sky rights run out. Good luck and waiting for that. You'll be old by the time that happens, I think. 
I mean, the, these things are up for review every couple of years. You know, I would like to at least see them tell them, okay, yeah, you, you're going to need to offer a better deal or or some kind of online access or whatever. You know, give us better access for for the uh, Game Pass. Something, anyway. That's uh, that's a story for another day. That's that's a story for another day. Maybe another special. Who knows? But yeah, Green Bay Packers uh, on Thursday Night Football. We last played them in 2018 and won 20 to 17, which I think was a shocker at the time at Lambeau, right? It was, yes, because I think after that, Mike McCarthy was fired. Oh, yes. You're, you're absolutely. You know, I remember um, texting my friend who's a Packers fan who was on this podcast many, many years ago just after that. And I think it was like, you know, the McCarthy resignation was announced and he said, Thank you so much to the Cardinals for beating us because we got rid of that guy. It's one of it's another series where the Cardinals trail though. Green Bay Packers lead the series twenty six, forty five and four. Or rather, that's a Cardinals record. Yeah, yeah, long, long standing. You know, very, very old rivalries because they're two extremely old teams. Yeah, pr- pretty much, basically that. You know, we played them that many times and not really got the better of them that many. Although we have had a couple of really good games in like the past five to ten years. Well, there was the, the divisional game, right? Yeah, there was a divisional game and then there was the one, well, let's see, going back, there was the one where it ended in overtime when Aaron Rodgers was sacked and Carlos Dansby returned it for a touchdown. I do remember that one, yep. Then, of course, there was the one with, again, it went to overtime and Larry Fitzgerald carried it in from like two yards out. Brilliant. And then, of course, there's been games where we've just battered Aaron Rodgers like the whole game. <laughs> you know, they're enjoyable as well for other reasons. And actually, yeah, speaking of, of Aaron Rodgers, that's, uh, you know, one of the danger men. You know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, if he's still there, um, Devante Adams, Aaron Jones, you know, this is a um, it's a pretty, pretty tricky roster to put together exactly what it's going to look like. But um, I, I like your note here of. Uh, uh, this in Houston would make an amazing like one week trip to Arizona. It wouldn't end just so back to back those two games. Texans on Sunday, Packers on Thursday. What uh what an interesting time that would be. Imagine how like expensive it'd be because like with how much the Green Bay Packers travel, pr- ticket prices for that game would be like astronomical, wouldn't they? Depends on a lot of stuff, but it's uh yeah, they're clearly gonna travel well. They're clearly gonna fill out the stands. I- I'm sure you could find one from you know, there might be a, a Arizona a season ticket holder who only sell to an Arizona fan, but yeah, got to get out to the Valley at some point. Yeah, I mean, as well, if the anyone from the Arizona Cardinals organization is listening, you know, if they want to hook us up with two tickets for those two games. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover it. We'll cover it in our, our podcast. That would be great. Exactly. You know where to find us. Um, yeah, but uh, unfortunately, that would be the uh, only one week of... Um, of a run there because at week nine we'll be back on the road uh, out to San Francisco uh, to play the 49ers. Yeah, and the question will be probably, will Trey Lance be starting by now? Will Kyle Shanahan have had enough of Jimmy Garoppolo? I wonder as well, and I wonder how much our, um, you know, earlier was it week four? Uh, yeah, or sorry, our week five game against them. I wonder how much that would play into that factor. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one this year with, like, the divisional games. It's, like, all spread out. Like, we play San Francisco in the early part of the season, but we don't play Seattle until later in the season. Yeah, very strange. I mean, I I guess it's all to do with, like, TV scheduling more than anything else, right? 
don't know, it just depends how the computer wants to generate the schedule, <laughs> I assume. It's just done in like some sort of back office somewhere. I mean, yeah, I guess, as you said, like, will Trey Lance be starting? I mean, it definitely depends. Like, if we give Garoppolo a drub in, in week five, then maybe that's going to be, you know, the, the a catalyst to change that up. But, um, you know, we could be, if, if uh, Garoppolo is, you know, fantastic against us and is able to, like, absolutely uh, destroy us, then maybe he will be, uh, you know, uh, get, be, be back starting and be, be as solid as ever. Moving on to week 10, we've got the Carolina Panthers coming to Arizona at a 9.05 p.m. kickoff, that is. Uh, one of one of the uh, teams that we really can't seem to shift uh, from our schedule. Yeah, last played uh, last year when we lost 31-21 with Carolina having won the last five games, including several that we just don't mention. Exactly, yeah. I'm not even sure what games they're on about, you know, when they say the <laughs> Carolina Panthers lead 13-5 to in the series. Yeah, I can think of at least two of those games that don't exist. So, Of course, the biggest danger man here will be Christian McCaffrey, if he's not injured at this point of the season. Christian McCaffrey, obviously a, a fantasy favourite. Well, it wasn't a favourite for me last year after taking him 101, and then like he got injured and never really played, and I lost. So, balls to him. <laughs> um, yeah, Hassan Reddick and Dan Arnold uh, obviously returning there as well. Nice revenge game for those two, obviously. How much of them will we will see uh, will be interesting, but obviously Hassan Reddick, we know that if he is um, sort of healthy and available, he can be really dangerous. Yeah, and of course, Dan Arnold, he had a bit of a breakout season last, well, like a couple of years ago, and like he didn't really do that much last year to warrant keeping him, I suppose. I mean, I guess when you're when you're making a lot of changes, and you know, if you want to keep your salary cap flexible and stuff, then then you know, it's it's one of those uh, guys that heads out the door first. You know, especially in a in a team when we don't use you know tight ends too much. And our final game before the week twelve bye in week eleven, we head off to Seattle to play the Seahawks at nine twenty five p.m. Or traditional almost uh, beating of Seattle at CenturyLink. We can hope that trend continues this year. And, you know, go into the bye on a really strong position. I was going to say that actually. I mean, this is this is one of those games, and like you know, maybe uh, this is all a bit superstitious, but I definitely feel that you know, if you can if you can get a good solid win going into the bye, it really helps your uh, momentum coming out of it. You know, it's, it means that you don't have to spend the week resetting. You can kind of go into the week feeling good and come out feeling good. The thing is, though, week twelve is when Thanksgiving falls. Actually, Ooh. found this out before because Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it, and basically the plans at the moment will be that the team gets the whole week off, like obviously to celebrate Thanksgiving with the family and all that sort of thing. I mean, that's pretty good for all, for all the team members, right? Provided none of them, you know, decide to get a DUI or something like that while they're celebrating. Yeah, hopefully they're sensible, and you know, obviously, if the season's in like a really good position, you're obviously going to take precautions, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's that's really good news for for the Cardinals. Actually, I mean, like obviously, it means means less to us Brits, but um, I guess it means the the one thing it particularly means is that on the you know big Thursday and Sunday games and stuff, I can just have a um, red zone on. I mean, it's a shame though because Thursday, when they have the Thanksgiving triple header, we play the Dallas Cowboys this year. We could have potentially had them on Thanksgiving, uh, but that wasn't the case, sadly. 
I don't think I've ever seen the Cardinals play Thanksgiving football, so, you know. To be fair, it's only, you know, six teams or something like that, so it's only like 20% of the teams each year, and some of them are, are traditional matchups that are always the same anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. It's always Detroit, and then it's also always Dallas, so maybe we'll play one year because we always play Detroit. <laughs> we do always play Detroit, but we'll get to them in a minute. Because coming out of the bye, we have another NFC North team, and that is the uh, Chicago Bears. Yep, a 6pm game, that is. And obviously, this will be the time of the year where Soldier Field will be like really, really, really cold. It will be super cold by week 13, yeah. I've not done the maths exactly, but I'm... Well, actually, if it's the week after Thanksgiving, then it's like mid-November, uh, but... Um, that's going to be a cold one and, and um, another very long-standing rivalry. Uh, last played them in 2018 when we lost 16-14 and Chicago lead that uh, series 28-57-6 uh, and as the Cardinals record. Yeah, it's another team we've not really done that well against historically and of course not in recent times either because we don't really play them that often. Yeah, I mean that loss of 16-14 uh, is, is a pretty big one really given the... Uh, I don't remember this exact game, but I definitely remember that the the Bears were not exactly in the best state at that time. But then, you know, last year they were uh, potentially looking like they were going to hit the playoffs as well, kind of in a similar position to the Cardinals in the last game of the season. The biggest danger man on their team is probably Khalil Mack. But of course, with our improved offensive line, hopefully Kyle Murray will be upright just freezing his balls off because he's insulted. <laughs> Upright, and then if he gets chased down, he'll hopefully he can get away. But obviously, Khalil Mack, yeah, big, uh, hard-hitting guy and, and you know, a, a tough uh, tough guy to, to hold back. But I guess the other, you know, storyline there is whether or not Justin Fields will be a starter by that point. Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously you'd think he'll be, they'll be gearing him up to start at some point this year because obviously they gave up so much to come up and get him, didn't they? Well, I think, yeah, between that and the fact that, um, you know, it's more and more common because it's, it's not that long ago that it was pretty uncommon to, you know, to, to have rookie quarterbacks actually starting at all, you know. And I mean, he does only have to beat out Andy Dalton for the starting quarterback job. So it's not really that much of a challenge, really. I don't think it'll, it'll depend on how they get on as well, because I imagine if there's a couple of games that get out of hand, he'll get some playing time earlier in the year as well. But, you know, it gets it to week 13, and I guess the Bears will be deciding, like, their season could be, like, officially done by that point, to the point where they're like, okay, well, let's give the kid a chance, you know. Week 14 of the season sees us take on the Rams at 1.15am, which means another primetime game, this time on Monday Night Football. It is a Monday night football special and, you know, yeah, second time with the Rams, obviously bringing them back home. And, you know, back when Jeff Fisher was uh, leading the Rams to seven and seven every year, um, we used to split the series with them one uh, where we each won at home, I believe was the was the traditional thing for a few years in a row. Yes, I mean, like if we have to wait until week 14 to end the hoodoo against McVeigh, you know, fine then, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'd be good good to get that out of the way, but yeah, very much um, another primetime game, and, and who knows, you know, maybe it's one that gets uh, gets flexed up to Sunday or, or Thursday or whenever, you know, this is definitely the time of year when um, you can expect games to move around a little bit. It's already on primetime though, so I don't think they can be moved. I think you can. They, uh, other t- other teams can get flex to them, yeah. But then again, Monday night football is kind of the least uh, least important primetime slot in many ways. I don't know, I think I'd argue Thursday night football because everyone hates that shit. 
<laughs> Everyone in the UK hates it for sure. I think we just hate prime time games in general, though. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, to be fair, it does make you pretty crab it when you have to wake up and uh, you know, like three hours after you go to bed. But then again, week fifteen, decidedly not a prime time game. Six p.m. Detroit Lions again, another one of these teams that we just can't seem to shake off of our schedule. Yeah, I mean, we last met them in twenty twenty, where we lost twenty five twenty three in what was one of Detroit's only wins last season, which is depressing as hell. It was a, a pretty grim loss as well. It was a, that was definitely in the category of uh, wins that Arizona threw away. It's one of those ones where like, you look back and think, if we'd have won that, we'd have been in the playoffs last year, and who knows what would have happened then. And there's a few of those you know, throughout the year, but this is definitely a big one. Then again, a slightly different Detroit team this year than last year with uh, Jared Goff possibly going to be at the quarterback position there. Well, after Matt Stafford was traded to the LA Rams, Detroit Lions got Jared Goff in return, along with like several selections in the draft. Two first-rounders, I think it was. Definitely one of the more interesting trades that went off during the during this, uh, off-season. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for LA Rams because they get a massive upgrade at quarterback. And obviously Detroit... They're sort of like in a rebuilding phase, aren't they? So the more picks they get, the better for them. That's fair. I don't know. Did we mention that the, the, the Detroit lead the all-time series? Much like, you know, many, many other uh, teams that we've mentioned. But yeah, they're, they're 28 and 34 and 6 in the lead. A lot of these old rivalries, we have a hell of a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, I mean, we need like a decade of dominance or something, maybe even longer than that, just to catch up, make them look respectable. <laughs> yeah do you get anything more to say about detroit it's just one of those teams we come up against every year really yeah i mean just save it until later in the year when we actually have to do a podcast on it you know talking about the whole thing i'm sick of talking about detroit though <laughs> yeah i mean later in the year obviously um, we get to week 16 and all of a sudden we have christmas day well technically for the uk boxing day football against the colts yeah, we last met them in 2018, where we won 16-13. And this is a rarity. The Cardinals actually lead the series 9-8. to eight. And it's it's just on tenterhooks as well. So yeah, we really do need to win that to kind of get a bit more breathing room in that series there. But obviously the Colts, um, really one of those teams, I would say, that's, that's in the process of, of kind of upgrading as well, because they have a lot of uh, danger men, particularly on defense. Yeah, I mean, that defense last year was arguably one of the best in the whole league. We've got that to contend with, but thankfully it's at home. It's on Christmas Day, so hopefully we might get some gifts from them. That would be nice, and it would be good to see some some good home attendance for that. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's fun. I, I enjoy, uh, you know, a bit of Boxing Day football, get myself a little uh, snooze and, and kind of wake up at one fifteen ready for the football. Definitely something to look forward to because... Again, it's one of those times I don't think the Cardinals have ever played Christmas Day football. Definitely not in my memory anyway, but um, yeah, I guess it only comes around once in a while. True. But of course, you have to make us a really late game because they hate us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Week, seven, week 17, however, we have Dallas Cowboys. So um, not a uh, Thanksgiving game and uh, not a Christmas game, but approximately around New Year. Yeah, yeah. It'll actually be in the new year. I think it's the 2nd of January or something like that around that time. Because, you know, this extended season. 
Oh, do you know what? It's it's early on the second of January, I think. Uh, yeah, last met the Dallas Cowboys last year in twenty twenty, where we uh, absolutely stomped them, pretty much. Yeah, we won thirty eight to ten. Although that was with a caveat: the fact that they didn't have Dak Prescott at quarterback. I think they had several other key injuries and uh, you know inconsistencies in their lineup as well. So definitely not you know the the peak of their game, Dallas Cowboys, as it were. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they lead the all-time series 56-33-1, and one, you know, who cares if it's just one game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let us have some luck for once. Definitely need to catch up. And um, I mean, speaking of, of Danger Man, you know, it's almost like just, here's the guys they were missing last time. Obviously, they've got Dak Prescott, they've got Zeke, they've got C.D. Lamb, they've got Michael Gallup. You know, that's a, that's a pretty high-octane offense. Yeah, and he's also got Omari Cooper who you missed out. And actually, obviously, this one's going to have the storyline of uh, Kylo Murray returns to the AT&T Stadium where he's never lost. Again, and hopefully that run continues as we go into the final game of the season. Yeah, indeed. Uh, week 18, we're rounding off the season with our last game against Seattle, this time at home. This could be, a, you know, if, anything, if this is anything like last year and we're going to go down to the wire whether or not we get into um, whether we get into the postseason, then that's a pretty big game to be betting it on. So, you know, you got to hope that if we're going for uh, for a postseason appearance that we've uh, locked it in by this point. Yeah, I mean, because obviously with the extended season, you know, nobody will be resting anyone in week 17. So week 18 could become the new rest period. Obviously, we don't know how the other 17 games well, the 17 weeks ago before this one. So, like, this could easily be, like, a division decider. Could even be, like, a playoff decider. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Maybe the uh, Cardinals will have, uh, you know, locked their place in and we could play a spoiler for Seattle. But, um, you know, it could be could be the other way around, um, as it has been many times before. But, um, yeah, definitely. I would say that's a, that's a pretty exciting schedule overall. Yeah, I mean, like, again, with the Seattle game, it could even be flexed to, like, Sunday Night Football if it's got that much riding on yeah, it. Yeah, if, if it's going to have that much on it, it would it would be flexed, I imagine. Although, usually by, you know, it, it, the normal Week 17 games, there's always something to play for for somebody. So, you know, there's, there's storylines everywhere. But speaking of storylines, I actually I did a little bit of maths earlier today, Tom. And I worked out that based on the last meetings that we had with each one of these teams, we would have if you know if we if we had the same uh, outcome as each of the last of those, we would have a record of nine and eight this year. So, what do you reckon? What do you, do you think we can do better than that, or or worse than that? To be honest, I think that could be the ballpark we're kind of in. Like, obviously, I don't want to put any numbers to it just yet because it's way, way, way too early for that sort of thing. Yeah, big time, especially when we haven't even seen any of the rookies really play yet. Although I might. Try and tune in to uh, to to the rookie camp and see if there's any more footage being released after we're done here. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's, well, nine and eight is a good benchmark there, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because actually, like, obviously, we can't have an 0500 start season anymore. So like, nine and eight is probably about that sort of thing. Like eight nine. Some of those, um, you know, uh, some of those losses that we have chalked up there are to teams that I really think that we should be beating. You know, we talked about that with Detroit there. You know, there's a couple of losses there that I think could be easily converted into wins. But also, you know, there's a couple of wins uh, like like with Dallas there where, 
uh, you know, we'll be up against a much better team this year. So, you know, maybe it all balances out. But, uh, you know, I would like to see us do a little bit better than kind of half and half. Yeah, I mean, I did see as well with the... Like, obviously, I'm not, we're not going to do any early record predictions, but there is one, like, podcast, I think it was, you've done, like, some already. And they had someone giving the Cardinals a 5-12 and 12 record. Oof. Oh, that would be grim. Yeah, that person was John Skelton. Uh, yeah, okay. That's that kind of that kind of fit. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, if he was still quarterback, it'd be five and twelve, probably worse. Yeah, but no, I think um, you know, I th- I think the Cardinals, the, like every time you go into a season, there's scope to do well, right? You know, there's there's always the chance that we could come out and have a have an excellent season, and I do think that um, you know, we're starting to get to a point where we we could be talking about like we're no longer out here to rebuild obviously there's a lot of building still going on but we're not at a rebuild phase anymore we're at a sort of continuing to build phase and i think you know if the cardinals are serious about making a good solid run out the postseason um within the next few years then they'd really need to be considering doing that like now you know they need to be considering um going in and making some really good runs at some of these good teams and and Maybe not aiming for winning the division because NFC West is is nails, but um, at least aiming for kind of wild card spots and stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like as long as you're in the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen when you actually make it? Like anyone can win. Like Tampa Bay showed last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really a case of get in there and then then just make it happen once you're there. And obviously, part of that situation as well is going to be keeping people healthy. You know, you could argue that last year we didn't get into the uh, postseason because um, Kyler Murray spent you know the last like quarter of the season on a bum knee. Um, but it would be you know it'd be interesting, I think, to to see you know a little thought experiment how how well does that go if we keep everyone healthy and how well does it go if we you know have a good enough start to the season that we feel confident to rest people you know in the in the late season yeah but the annoying thing now is that we've literally got nothing to talk about until you know training camp starts maybe if they even go ahead yeah absolutely this is um that's unfortunate because we can't even you know plug the next podcast yeah because we have no idea when it'll be like i think even in the last one we speculated like it wouldn't be a while till the next one and yet here we yeah. are like a week or so later with this one who knows maybe we can come up with uh with a different idea for podcast or maybe somebody can tweet at us with a good idea for what they'd like to hear in a podcast or maybe larry fitzgerald might make his bloody mind up <laughs> one way or another um i would like to know but yeah i think that'll do it for episode 116 of the british bird gang breakdown so as always if you're not following us on twitter go follow us at british bird gang like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash british bird gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash british bird gang by british bird gang merch at british and also head on over to our coffee shop where I've listed a new item today. British Beard Gang Ooh. stickers. Everyone loves hey, love us, Love a good sticker. And of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then leave us a review wherever, wherever it is you listen to your podcast and share it around with your friends, family, anyone who might find <laughs> it interesting. 
no one will find it interesting because you know they don't know what the it's, Arizona it, Cardinals are. Yeah, it, it is an extremely niche podcast, but you know, a, a good rating does help because it does get us seen. You know, when people do search for, you know, uh, even if they're searching for British Bird Gang, it helps us be seen in that listing if we've got a good rating. Just as long as they don't think that we like a bird watching group because we're not. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a bird watching special one day. Who knows? Until next time, though, thanks for listening and goodbye. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Whenever that may be. 